Welcome in to Payer Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. This is Will Dunn here with Nick Trushkull and Seth Coggin. Fresh from uh, overseas there, Seth. How was, uh, how was your long weekend? First trip abroad. Um, pretty great time. Eye-opening experience to see, see a little bit more of the world. I've spent about 99.9% of my life in the American South. Um, so very nice to see a different culture, different, uh, different way of life, but you know, met a lot of people. They're just people, just the same, just have a little different diet, a little different language. Uh, they don't watch American football, which was kind of a brutal thing for me. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a gritty weekend, uh, for me and the Razorbacks. Um, so we're about seven hours ahead where I was. Um, so a 6 PM kickoff for the Razorbacks meant a 1 AM kickoff for me. Um, I was actually there for a wedding, so I'm sitting there and, you know, fall weddings are already kind of, uh, you know, uh, they're kind of taboo here in the South. You know, you don't, you you don't want to be the guy with the fall wedding. Let's be honest. Like that just doesn't want to be. Get it done. Get it done in the spring or the summer. And so, I mean, I kind of say all this in jest. I was very happy to be there. It was very fun. My, uh, Christina was in a wedding, um, there in in Ukraine, correct? Uh, in Slovakia, so Slovakia. Eastern Europe. Okay. Yeah, uh, right. They border. It does border Ukraine. I knew um, it was somewhere over there. Yeah. Well, the, probably you know, not the good cu- to be in Ukraine right now. The huh? culture. Yeah. The culture. <laughs> now of, that uh, I say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the culture of weddings there is just quite different too. It was about uh, well, let's see. The wedding started at 4 p.m. and we left as the first couple people to leave at like 12:45 a.m. Um, and they went until about four in the evening. So just an all day party affair, foreign language. Now everyone speaks a lot of English. So, um, I got along fine and Christina speaks, uh, fluent Slovak. So, um, anyway, a lot of fun. Had to watch the Razorbacks dead silent on my phone at four in the morning. Uh, they pulled out the win against Missouri state who's in the top 10, by the way, Petrino, Uh, um, Bobby Petrino, an offensive genius. Well, one of the greatest offensive minds of our generation. So always good to beat someone like that. Um, but yeah, hogs made it. Any t- hey, I did some research today. This is all I want to say about the hogs all podcast. So th- we'll just purge it real quick until in a little Aggies talk later, maybe, but you lose the turnover battle. There's, there are things in football that really matter, like stats that continually time after time after time, like indicate who's going to win a game um, turn turnover margin. So with a negative three turnover margin, you're, only 16% of teams ever around that number with a negative three turnover margin have won the game. Um, and so you just put yourself at such a big disadvantage if you lose that, um, that big. So, and, and you can be, anybody can be anybody if that happens. That's why football is such a crazy fun sport. Cause you know, Arkansas and Missouri state are, are definitely talent wise, level wise, Arkansas is superior, but you turn the ball over three times, you give them that many more opportunities um, anything can happen. Uh, so, but luckily the Razorbacks avoided the very embarrassing upset um, and still won by double digits, outgained by 200 yards, you know, dominated that game fairly, fairly well after getting down 17-0, but <clears throat> you don't want to put yourself in that position uh, and those things can't happen versus better teams. Um, so I had to watch that just dead quiet on my phone uh, on just the spottiest Wi-Fi ever at a random hostel in Eastern Europe after a 10 hour wedding, it was just, it was a great, it was a gritty performance, but when we had to have it most, cause we got some big weeks coming up. So that was my trip. That, that was, it was really fun to experience uh, a culture outside of my own. Um, but I'm kind of, uh, you know, bummed out that that culture does not include uh, college football. So 
I think we might have to bring it over there because they need that. They need that in their life. College football is the best. It really is. Yeah, one thing they definitely don't need, though, is Titans football, yeah. uh, which we no, might want to hop into. Everyone, the reason we pushed the <laughs> podcast to this day was basically so we could uh, be able to watch the Titans Monday night game, be able to watch it and then come and recap it afterwards but uh wasn't much we hadn't done that (laughs) yeah exactly yeah we could have thrown an emergency pod last night just but it would have gotten it would have gotten visceral if we had gone last night it would have gotten ugly it's still gonna get a little uh, hot tonight i got a feeling but but what is it bill score 34 unanswered basically yeah it was seven it was well it was seven seven and then 41 seven right oh god yeah could have been worse (laughs) And there was like a realization to me watching that game. Trujillo, I said this to you a second ago. I was watching our offense and I'm like, dang, uh, we like don't, we don't really have any good players. Like we have Derrick Henry, but like our offensive line do anything really bad. Yeah. And our wide receivers, I mean, Burks looks solid, but Woods is not that good. Like Kyle Phillips might as well go burn in hell after dropping that second. Oh my. Okay. That was not the reason we lost that game tonight, but that is. Terrible back to back drop punts. Like our and wide receiver one, room is that one rough. looked so embarrassing too. That one was like it hit him off the, the top of the shoulder pad. Yeah. He tripped off on his own feet, hit him on his shoulder. Oh my, that was just insult to injury. I mean, in all honesty, I'd rather it happen in that game when like we weren't going to win anyway. But uh, but still, just such an embarrassing look. Just you, you only get so many opportunities to play as the Titans to play in front of like a national NFL audience. Like, let's be real. Most people don't watch the Titans on a regular basis. They, you know, they might catch a few games a year or clips of us on red zone or something like that. But you only get a few Monday night or Sunday night football opportunities as we're just not a very national draw. Um, and so to waste to just come out so flat, so ugly, so undisciplined, so unprepared, so poorly coached was just awful to see the talent level's not there like the back the the defense i still feel like should be good um but they just got throttled last night and let's 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 be out there all night i mean the bills the bills are raw the bills are truly at this moment in time probably the best team in football um but like that's the level we've expected the titans to be on recently we're the best team in the afc last year i mean that, that that's why last night is sobering as all get out because our, which I'm going to have a little double kind of a praise and a fault of J-Rob and, and Vrabel here. I'm going to pair them two because they, they're pretty much pretty tight in terms of this, you know, ups and downs of the Titans, um, considering they're kind of the biggest team we got. But it's a credit to them that they have elevated the Titans to where we expect to be one of the best teams in the NFL. It is truly a credit to the, the way they built the roster and the way they've coached that they've put us in a level of expectation where we expect to win the division and we expect to compete in the playoffs, which is a massive credit to them because the 12 years before they got there was absolute, you know, wandering in the desert was truly awful. Um, But at the same token, yeah, you've built that success, but now you're making no moves to extend that success. Like you are making all, like we have made time after time, and some of that, some of that you can't help. Like you choose to pay Landry and you choose to let AJ Brown go. And when Landry gets hurt, then yeah, it looks like the worst move ever, but you know, the same, 
if you flip that around, Landry doesn't get hurt. AJ Brown's uh, AJ Brown gets hurt on the Eagles, and we have we have a healthy um, Landry. Then you're like, wow, they made a great decision. Um, so like some of that, and you know, you don't expect Taylor Lewan to go down, and that's just another. Losing uh, is one thing. I don't thing. know. Taylor Wan seems to get that hurt every year. So that is true. That is true. But that is one thing you still cannot uh, control. And that just adds insult to a loss. Like, not only did you lose, not only did you get embarrassed, not, not only did you just play flat out awful, you also lost your starting left tackle, who has been a cornerstone of the franchise and yet maybe kind of declining a little bit, but has been that guy for a long time uh, starting at left tackle. So just brutal all around. Changes need to be made, but Vrabel reinforced today that like no changes are going to be made. And so are you just happy with what the product you put out on the field the other night, or do you really believe it can get a lot better? Um, you know, still 15 games left. I'm not going to like freak out or like get super upset or like sad or heartbroken about a week two loss on the road in Buffalo. Like that's a hard game to win, but it was the absolute pathetic nature in which they played that is, uh, problem is hopefully not indicative, but seems to be indicative of the future to come this year. Uh, but I mean, our division is terrible. It's still bad. The Jags are seem improved, but they're still the Jags. Like I don't really see them ripping off 12 wins this year. Like, yeah, they may even compete at the, the Colts. Look, the Colts are a mess and the Texans are owned too as well. So <laughs> I mean, I mean, seven or eight wins wins the division. So, I mean, yeah, I'm actually praying for a seven and ten champion uh, AFC South championship. That would be that'd awesome. be amazing. That would be awesome. So funny. We're definitely the worst division in football, but you no, know, by far. Good. You know what pissed me off the most? Kind of talking about our offensive line. There was one play where Greg Rousseau literally took Aaron Brewer and like threw him back like twenty yards. I mean, he was behind the quarterback. Like our. All that talk all offseason about how Aaron Brewer, man, he's small, but he's a dog. Man, he's only 290 pounds, but, man, he plays with a fire out there. Like, at, at, at this point, what does that even matter if he's getting absolutely bodied by every single player on that Bills defensive line, which also includes Daquan Jones? I didn't even realize until I watched that game that he was on the Bills, former Titans starting nose tackle for six, seven years, whatever it was. He's uh, been pretty good wherever he's gone. But adding Von Miller to that defense is scary as it gets. Uh, I don't know yeah. if our offensive line is just that bad. Jamarco Jones looked horrible. Aaron Brewer looked horrible. Nate Davis was getting pushed around. Uh, like it, Henry seemed to get hit in the backfield 90% of the, the rushing attempts that he got. Um, this offense is about as bad as it gets. Kind of Kind of sucks going from one of the most explosive offenses in the league to now – what seems to be in the bottom five. Dude, I was talking about that. I actually sent this in a group text today that me and Seth were in, and it, it just kind of hit me. I said, man, do y'all ever think about how if Arthur Smith just stuck around like two years longer? Titans have a good shot at a Super Bowl. Yeah. Am I wrong? That's what it feels like. I mean, yeah. I mean, probably last year was still our best time, I feel like. We probably – hell, we would have made it to the Super Bowl if we had Art Smith calling plays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't, I can't think about it. I, Todd Downing, well, Todd Downing gets me in the dumps, man. Well, and I just what, think about, I just think about it. Yeah. Me. The, the other statement I made is I've been a pretty big Tannehill backer the whole time he's been starting anyway. Cause I think he's pretty solid. I don't think he's elite. I thought he had 
under the right system, he was awesome. That year he had 40 tutties and only to seven picks with Arthur Smith calling the plays. But I said today, not like this is a crazy statement by any means or a hot take, but Tannehill is good enough to win you a Super Bowl with a guy like Arthur Smith. He's not good enough with a guy like Todd Downing. And on the other side of that, Todd Downing, maybe maybe the Titans could overcome it if the Titans had an elite quarterback, even if they had Todd Downing. Um, obviously, like neither one works with the other. And it sucks because uh, Seth uh, Swaff said this to us. He said, you know, Tannehill needed the best running back in the league, an elite defense, and an amazing offense coordinator to like compete for that. And what made me sad is like the Titans really had that for about a year, maybe. Or I guess did Art Smith? I guess he missed the elite defenses. That's what sucked. We had it all at different times, kind of. Yeah, they're pretty. That championship run, they're pretty salty. That defense was pretty good, but probably not quite as elite as last. Like last year's defense was great. It was a great yeah. defense. Um, and yeah, if you pair that with an offensive coordinator who, just time and time again. I go back to the playoffs when the Bengals were calling out our offensive plays. Like they knew what we were running. And it just feels like we never have the right formation. Like we never have the right uh, personnel in the game for the plays we try to run. Like that's on the coach. Like put your best players in the best position to win. And he's putting like, he just, it doesn't seem like we're always putting our best players in position to win big plays. Like we're not getting the ball. Traylon Burks has four catches for 45 yards or 50 yards in the first half. And they tar- they don't even they target half he got like a half target in the second half that was thrown at his feet like behind him like got someone's I I, I think of for Traylon or I just highlight on him a lot because obviously I'm a very pro Traylon and like have watched him a long time feel deeper personal connection to him but it's just frustrating and he's just my example I use because our players that should be making plays we're not even getting them the ball like we're not even caught like you got to give – it's just so frustrating. We're so predictable. We're so predictable. Yeah. If it's, sec- if it's second down, like, oh, we might throw – we might throw on first down. But if we if – it's, if it's second and ten, we're running Henry. And Every we're doing – oh, oh, it's bad. And you know – It's bad. We brought in two guys. We brought in Austin Hooper and uh, Robert Woods were supposed to kind of bolster our offense. And both of them have just been non-existent been non-existent through two games and that's two games like there is so long they didn't really play together in the preseason which you know is fine I don't really even hate that you know way of looking at it um but still it's just embarrassing to see how putrid the offense is and we don't even seem to be trying to do things that work like there are a few things that have worked we do them more often like may, let let the guys you you know Traylon can make a play like at least give him a chance at least give them a chance, some of our other guys, to make a play, and we just do nothing. It's and you're right, Tannehill cannot overcome that. Like Tannehill is not good enough to overcome poor offensive play calling, and like you got to scheme guys open too. Like that's how it works. Like that that's literally how I watched Bobby Petrino go out there and dice up Arkansas because he's fantastic at getting his players open, like running routes that get them open. I saw a play for Ohio State the other day. I don't know if you guys saw this clip, but it was a three-wide three receiver set where they kind of faked a hit or like a, a screen, a bubble pass out to the far wide receiver, 
And they also had another wide receiver behind him and another wide receiver going long for like in the guy that ended up catching the touchdown. Like, yeah, they have great players, but the scheme that that play call is what got them open to make a play. Like we don't scheme anyone open. We don't, we are so predictable. Hey, we're just going to give it to 22. And that's an awesome, that's worked in the past, but we also did unpredictable things off of that. I feel like, I think, I think that's what, is just frustrating now. And Jeff Swain, I saw today, has like the worst pass blocking uh, PFF grade of like any tight end, and that's your best blocking tight yeah, end. He's supposed to be the blocker. <sighs> Everything, and then he just Rabel just doubles down. Like you just get beat forty-one seven. He's like, yeah, not time to make any changes. And it's like, maybe, maybe not personnel. Like maybe it's not the time to make personnel changes, but it's time to make changes. Like I, I don't know exactly what they need to be, but it is time to make changes or. The longer he doesn't make changes, the more like the more it's on Vrabel. Like the the longer this goes, this ineptitude, like the more people will be calling for Vrabel. Like he's not above he's not above getting called for. Like he's had a roster capable of winning a Super Bowl and what they do last year, losing the first round of the playoffs at home as a one seed. I mean, you're not you don't got a lifetime contract, buddy. Like (laughs) you, you better get going. Yeah, you're not getting fired this year, but. That seat can get hot pretty quick. Um, I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat. Hey, I'm not. I'm not going there yet. But you know, if you if you fail to fire your coaches that are not performing, you're well, you're, you're going to be bad. You know, yeah, like gonna, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll play itself out if that's the case. But no, I, and that's what kind of worries me is I think the Titans honestly just need to start. You got to go in some sort of rebuild mode. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying like the Titans are going to be like, they, they could very well win the division. They could very well win the AFC South, but you, I, there's no way you could convince me right now. This team's competing for a Super Bowl or an AFC championship or anything like that. May, maybe you get in there and win a playoff game, but that's, that is it. No like, way we could beat the chiefs or the bills. We couldn't keep up yeah. with their offense. Like no. no chance. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I don't, I, and I don't know what that looks like. I mean, it's already, it's only week two, and I hate people who overreact like this usually. But it's I like mean, you, you saw could, it coming. It's like you saw this coming, and now it's actually coming to fruition. That's yeah. why it's frustrating. And Seth, you, I feel like you used to say this a lot. Like we did, we kind of sold out, not completely, but for kind of a two or three really good shots at a super. Oh, we sold out, but we didn't even go all all out. It's like we we went all in without really going all in, and then that's how we screwed ourselves because we didn't win anything, and now we're not even set up for any kind of future, um, like Malik, in the immediate maybe. future. Maybe Malik, but I don't know. I truly, I'm hard. It's hard pressed for me to really at this point in time. And I tell you what, there would nothing would make me happier than in 15 weeks us to be dead wrong about everything. That'd be like, awesome. We yeah. could easily win 11 games and, you know, have a really good solid season, win the division, not easily win 11. I'm just saying, you know, it could happen. Like we truly don't know. We could stumble our way into it somehow, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So, and we could, this all could be wrong and, you know, and we could be playing our best football. That is when, and that's what Vrabel has been good at doing. That is, you need to be playing your best football at the end of the season. Like you, well, week two, week two does not matter. In the long run, it matters as a win or loss, uh, but it really doesn't matter how you play. That that is what's frustrating about week one is like we played bad, but we could have easily won that game. Like if, if we win, if we win that game and we're one and one, I think a lot of people are a lot less like 
everyone was really down from that week one loss. And then you piled on this just embarrassing effort in week two. And now it's like, well, dang, I don't even like the rest of the season. What's, what's it going to be like? But um, I hope we're dead wrong, but the signs seem to be pointing towards major disappointment and major letdown. But, you know, I've been wrong plenty of times in my life. So I'm not afraid to be wrong on this one. The division sucks. The next five games are key, 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 key. We play the Colts twice, the Texans once, the Raiders, and the Commanders. So, like, those are – You're going to win some of those. Yeah, Yeah. you got to win. Like, you got to win at least three. You you cannot win less than three. And you really need to win four probably in all all reality because our schedule gets harder. That's, like, the the easier part of our schedule. Yeah, I'm really nervous about our secondary on defense, too. With with Christian Fulton being out, Caleb Farley looked horrible. Like, he looks lost out there. McCreary doesn't really see – I mean, he's, like, playing all right. But – and then Amadi – He's a rookie. uh, I mean, like, dude, our secondary uh, uh, – Hooker played pretty well and had that – what I thought should have been a pick. I don't know how it didn't get reviewed. Um which that, oh, that changes the dynamic of the game a little bit. Yeah, it Let's does. Be honest. At that it time, does. the game was well within reach. It does. But and at the same time, the game was within reach when we came out of halftime. Yeah, we were only down and, ten. If we and we could have gotten a field goal if we Tannehill didn't get obliterated on that sack uh, as time was going down at uh, about twenty five seconds left. But yeah. Byard played fine. He didn't play great. Um, he played pretty well in the run, but kind of got torched a little bit. But, I mean, the whole secondary was. Uh, the defense was out there all night long. We Very little pass rush. Um, I think Bud Dupree being hurt really affected that because uh, pass rush was doing pretty well, and then it just kind of slowed down. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm nervous about that secondary. I think we could be getting torched all night long, giving up big third downs. Uh, that's going to be something that is really scaring me. Devontae Adams is going to rip us next week. And then, you know what? Also, something I saw on Twitter that really pissed me off. I don't know if you guys remember um, basically Vrabel talking about, well, Jeff Swaim is our best blocker uh, on the team, and he needs to be out there. Well, guess who's so far rated as the worst blocking tight end on our team? Jeff Swaim! Like, dude, it just seems some terrible coaching blunder so far just trying to fight through things that aren't working instead of, and I guess that's part of not trying to freak out after week two, one game, it's a week to week league. Yes, I get it. But I don't know, man. It just seems like we're lost on offense, have no clue what, like what we're trying to be. Seems like the week one, we're going to be a passing offense out of nowhere, really trying to get Tanhill to play a lot. And then we, we really got into the run um, that wasn't working this game. It, it just kind of seems like we don't have an identity like we, we used to with the Titans, who is going to just wear you out physically. Um, yeah, it just seems like the offense is completely lost right now. Well, I feel like the thing that happened this last game is right. That's the strategy used to be like wear them, wear them down with Henry. And then mm-hmm. a, at a certain point, he'll just start, he'll either break a big one or he'll start getting six to eight yard gashes, you know, every other play. But when you get down quick or when you get down by a substantial margin, you can't really hang on that anymore. And we just had no blocking. So it, uh, th- that was the thing. It didn't matter. We we couldn't block them. They, Derek we, couldn't get past the line of scrimmage yeah. and Tannehill was getting hit every time. That's what it came down to ultimately. Yeah. I mean, and they're the bills front seven might be the best in 
all of football. I mean, they are insane and stacked with big names too. Greg Rousseau, Ed Oliver, Von Miller. Um, I mean, they're they're going to be nasty. I'm I'm afraid of the Bills, and like you said, Will, I I just really don't see this Titans team making any kind of big run in the playoffs. We're just yeah, not built for it. Yeah. No, not how it looks right now. Maybe they get lucky and they get hot and catch fire and just squeak out some games. Because NFL is crazy. Because yeah, it is. It's such a marginal thing. Like they just somehow the teams catch are so a few way and, closer in talent than you actually think. Yeah, they are. They are. I think that's the best point to make. The parity is legit. Like, um, but the Bills, Bills are just playing with something extra right now. But that's They're almost hungry. like like playing this good in week two is awesome. But like you got to play that good in the playoffs. I mean, we literally saw that last year with the Titans. 13 and three, awesome season, played great in the regular season. Then in one game in the playoffs, you don't play great, you lose, and it's over. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are in week two. Uh, now, that's going to help you win games and have a favorable situation in the playoffs, but it only matters what you do in the playoffs. Um, so, but, you know, got to get there to do something. So, Titans better pick it up just to even get there, which has become yeah. the norm. For a while there, let's be honest, it was not the norm or the, even the expectation to make the playoffs. Um, so, we've come a long way, but it's seemingly like we have a long – we just seem far away from a Super Bowl which seemed very close recently in recent years. Yeah. It felt like we were a possibility to win a Super Bowl. Um, and this year it just like, yeah, we're a possibility. We are hope to make the playoffs, but we are far from a Super Bowl team. Um, so, and yeah, Tannehill with a bad offensive coordinator is a terrible combination and like is not capable. Um, Tannehill with all the right factors was good. He was, but that's what we, we all, ne- we never really said Tannehill was elite. Even the Tannehill backers, it was like, Tannehill is good. He does good enough things. Like he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. He is good enough with the surrounding cast and everything else um, to like take us wherever we need to go. Like, he, like he, and like, what other options are you going to bring in? That's always, it's like, you got to think like it's a cost benefit analysis. Like, Tannehill is X. Like, he's pretty quantified X. Like, he's been in the league a lot of years. He's not going to turn the ball over a ton of times. Um, he's going to make some plays. He can make some plays with his legs uh, as well. But, you know, yeah, you could try to get someone even better, but more more than likely, if you're drafting a young guy, he's not going to, you know, pan out. Um, like, more than not, guys that you draft, even in, like, the top three rounds, don't become, like, serious franchise quarterbacks. Let's be real. Um, there's a lot so, of busts yeah there's a lot of busts and then just certified dudes certified just studs in the league aren't up for grabs very often because if you get a star quarterback you keep that quarterback forever like Aaron Rodgers has been on the Packers forever because he's Aaron Rodgers not because the Packers are like just want to keep their quarterback around no it's like we have a certified elite quarterback he's not going anywhere yeah and yeah, at the end of their careers, maybe sometimes they move around, you know, Manning had some few good years in Denver. Um, and Tom Brady definitely has had a few good years, both won championships at second stops, but that truly was the true end of their career. Like the other franchises were looking at next moves um, just for the future of the franchise. So they just don't come around. So that was kind of always the thing with Tannehill is like, yeah, I don't think he is the greatest quarterback in the league, but I don't know if we're going to replace him with someone better. Like he manages our offense pretty good. He can make plays. He throws a good deep ball. Um, but 
now it's just all coming tumbling down because I mean, he's pretty old too. And our offense, like the inability of our offense to, to do anything exciting or make plays is <sighs> tough to watch. Tough to watch him go out there and do that kind of just mediocrity. Didn't even move the ball last night. I mean, yeah, you can't wear down the team if you never get first downs. Frustrating. Yeah. I've got a good segue from uh, pro football kind of into college football because we did get – I just asked our buddy, the lawyer, Thomas Swafford, to send me a couple hot takes. And luckily he gave me an NFL one and then a college one, so it kind of works out perfectly. <laughs> I'll just read them word for word. I, I asked him, Swaff, we're recording the pod right now, any hot takes? And his response was, only one, and I believe it wholeheartedly. Not just saying it for the sake of ridiculousness. Which I love, as if like he's admitting to. His yeah, he's just a, yeah. He's admitting, admitting to, to being ridiculous, ridiculous on purpose. Anyway, here it is. He said, "Lions will win NFC North over the Packers. They're a more complete team. Hutchinson already set a rookie single game sack record. Goff is solid and ready for a breakout year. And Rogers' heart doesn't seem in it anymore. The Lions' two point loss to the Eagles, where they still managed to score thirty five points, looks pretty good. Seeing the way the Eagles dominated the Vikings, dominated the Vikings, who were supposed to compete atop the NFC this year. Then he said, "In the alternative, they will at least make the playoffs." I Which think kind their of best chance is the believing it wholeheartedly. I guess, but I think it the best chance is probably just winning the division. Um, that division doesn't seem super strong uh, to me. I'm also not the biggest believer in Matt LaFleur. Uh, I think he's had some good years because it's kind of like even back to what you were talking about earlier, like a decent coach with an elite quarterback looks so much better. Like, and if you're an above average coach with a, one of the truly great quarterbacks of all time, you should look pretty good. Um, I'm not sold on the Packers. They don't seem too good. Their wide receiver core is terrible. Horrible. Horrible, horrible. Might even be worse than the Titans. The, I love yeah. watching Aaron Rodgers spin it on Sunday night, though. Still looks good. Bears are bad. Bears are not good. Well, yeah. but um, And then the Vikings, yeah, don't look too good. So, I'm with that. I can ride with that. I, mean, I think he's got a little hard on knocks. Monday night. You know he's not going to He's got a little hard knocks bias, I think. Like, the Lions Everyone get a little – Yeah, but I like that. I'm happy. It's a good – we got an insight into their program, and you think more highly of them than, than you know, you saw more of them, and you like them. So, all right, let's ride. Yeah. And then here's his – he said he would go ahead and turn in his college football playoff Final Four. At number one, he has Alabama coming in at, I guess, 13-1 and one with one loss in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yes, sir. I was, I was thinking it was coming. Number two, he has USC as the only undefeated team in the country. I actually don't hate that. USC, I mean, they look pretty good, and the Pac-12 doesn't look that good. So Yeah, that's not out of the realm of possibility. At number three, he has Georgia also going 13-1, and one, but losing to Bama in the SEC championship. And at number four, he has Oklahoma with one loss in Bedlam to Oklahoma State, but they still won the Big 12 championship. All right. I mean, seems Which could feasible. get hairy because I feel like Oklahoma State will be pretty good. I don't know if they'll have a – if they beat Oklahoma, I don't know if they'll have more than one loss. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point there, Will. But maybe they play again in the – that'd be crazy if they played Bedlam and then turned around and played again in the SC Championship or the Big 12 Championship. Big 12, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, anyone can – it's only week three. 
you know, a bold move to go ahead and put out your final top four. But uh, I like to play. Um, you know, you can't really argue with any of those options. Like, they're all undefeated at this point. You know, there's only so many teams that are still undefeated, like, that are easier to choose from. Um, so, you know, go, really going out on a limb to pick Alabama, Georgia, and, and Oklahoma. Uh, but USC would be interesting. They do look strong. The Pac-12 does look very weak, but I still doubt they go unscathed. That's my thing. Like, I think they definitely show up and get beat one week or two, maybe. Like, I, I don't know. I just not truly sold on them. Um, flashy highlights look nice for the couple. Like, have any of us actually watched a USC game yet? No. Like, I've seen no. a few good highlights. Yeah, they look they look great. You know, when their receivers are wide open, they look great. Um, and Lincoln Riley has a pretty, you know, he's done some good things, obviously, with quarterbacks and um, offenses. So, I'd say definitely a possibility, but. Offense is a tricky thing, man. It can be fickle. If, if you don't have everything rolling on one night, you could definitely lose. Um, you can beat a lot of teams with good offense, but you can also lose um, sometimes if it's just not clicking that night or if it's a downfall, it's pouring rain or it's super cold or something. You know, things happen. It's not as easy to toss the ball around the, around the park all the time. But, uh, yeah, that's fine. I, th- I think Alabama is – I don't think Alabama's going to make it this year. It would be it'd be kind of crazy, but I'm not. I don't disagree with you. I don't know. I and I know if Alabama the and Georgia both don't make it. I mean, yeah. I think Georgia will make Georgia's, it. Georgia. I mean, gonna it's going to be an Arkansas Tennessee SEC championship. Yeah, and then why not? Would that be uh? What would be tough? All right, what would be like the toughest thing for you if? So let's say, yeah, let's say Arkansas beats Alabama, wins the West. Tennessee wins the East, beats Georgia. But then, like, Arkansas beats Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't get in the playoff, but Georgia does at one loss. Like, how 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 mad would you be? How that would I mean, be that screwed. wouldn't even be able to work, would it? <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe. Some sort of know. bias, maybe. Would, well, like, Tennessee, would, maybe, Tennessee maybe, maybe Tennessee, maybe Tennessee two losses. Loses. Tennessee lost – let's say Tennessee lost Alabama but beat Georgia. And then – so they had the tiebreaker versus Georgia. And then yeah. they uh, lost SC Championship and then Georgia made it. I guess that could happen. That'd be tough. That would all be, fans would talk about it for eternity. Yeah, yeah that would be – I mean, it'd be an absolutely epic season. I, mean, I, would, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah, hate that for that to also. happen. Like, like, if that, yeah, if, if that's we the beat worst case Alabama, scenario, I don't it. like – if we beat Alabama and Georgia and Florida – like all in one season, that's all you really need to tell me. Yeah, I mean right that there. hasn't happened in <laughs> at least like twenty, probably thirty years. Starts with Florida. Yeah. Starts with Florida. Ten and a half that's point a big favorites, one. right? Ten and a half. That's a. When's the last time they were double digit do- favorites versus Florida? I mean, honestly, was the was the sixteen game? You're probably pretty big favorites. Yeah, I still doubt. I st- I bet it was like eight point favorites. Or so. I mean, that'd be a good thing to look up. Yeah. Um, but I bet it wasn't double digits. Double digits is pretty big in the SEC. Uh, especially um, the fact that – I mean, I assume Vegas is is uh, counting the fact that, like, Cedric Tillman might, might not play. Uh, Trujillo, yeah. is Jabari Small playing? Uh, he is questionable, but probably going to suit up. And uh, who is it? Samson is out, I think. Yeah. Jimmy Calloway is um, yeah, suspended, suspended for the first half. <laughs> for punching that dude like six times. Yeah, literally like full on just going Mike Tyson on a 
Akron player? Like, why do you care? You're up 63 to six. Well, like, and apparently the guy was like like ripping his helmet off and stuff. And I'm just I, I get all the people coming to stand up for Callaway, but at the same time, dude, like throw one. Like don't, don't just start throwing six punches at a dude with a helmet on. Yeah, like, that's what I always ne- like never understood is these guys who will just throw punches like crazy with a Against someone who has at a least, helmet on. At least that's like, go for the face mask grab. Nothing is more like, you have total control. Grab the yeah, face mask and toss you can slam someone's chin right into the ground, like actually hurt them. Punching someone's helmet isn't going to hurt them. Yeah. I don't know. That was crazy. But yeah, I mean, Vols, Vols look good. Coming in at number 11, dude. Number 11. Yeah. Florida does not look good. Almost slipped up to South Florida. Let them run all over them. I mean, Tennessee's going to score points. Yeah, Florida's right? about to get housed on and off. Like, I don't. That, I think that's the thing that no one's really. Tennessee's going to score a lot of points. That's what, and that's a similar thing. I'm kind of thinking in the Arkansas A and M game, a little bit different style offense. We're a little more run oriented, but like we're looking at two offenses in Florida and Texas and that like are not very good. Like Anthony Richardson hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. Um, yeah, and Tennessee's going to throw, about, he's gonna throw two pass. on Saturday, guaranteed. Well, two probably is fine as long as he doesn't run for three. So that's you know. the thing, though. Yeah, he, yeah, could, he can't. I could see him running can, for three. But, <laughs> well, you know, there I was seeing today where their backup quarterbacks out, uh, Florida. So like they literally are not running him as much, so he doesn't get hurt or something. Um, oh dang, that's really good, actually. Yeah. So I mean, he still has a scramble ability and stuff, but I'm just saying, I don't, I don't think. I think we way, way, way overestimated Florida after that week one win, um, oh, which sure. was impressive. But before that, no one thought anything of Florida. Um, and, yeah, they squeak out a win. They absolutely squeak out a win. To um, a team we thought was really good, though. Yeah, yeah, to a team we thought was good, but it's still week one, and they're on the road in the swamp. Like, that's a hard place to go at any time. It's a Regardless, really hard yeah. place to go week one uh, when everything's just so fresh. Like, you just are finding yourself. Um, and even though, yeah, Utah is pretty strong. So it was a good win. I'm not taking that away. I'm just saying, I think we way overreacted in a positive way um, to that win. And like by putting them in the top 15 or something, because um, they're not, they're just not a top 15 team. Kentucky just dominated them. Like Kentucky manhandled them. Um, and I think Tennessee will do something similar. You know, it's just the stigma of the Gators over the falls though. Like, and every Tennessee yep. fan, and I'm kind of outside of it, but I'm in it enough to see it and witness it and feel it a little. It's just like in recent history, in most of our cognizant lives, like Florida dominates Tennessee or finds a way to just win. Um, it just, ha- it's like a, it's literally some kind of voodoo or some kind of like, like witchcraft they have over the vaults that like they win. And you kind of thought that they broke it with the 38 in a row um, that they had in 2016, but it's still kind of crept around. And, and then just 2018, when there was the blatant misholding call to then Florida throw a Hail Mary and beat us, was pretty pretty painful. Yeah. It's like well, that- you've got 20, 2015 with the fourth and 24, fourth and 17, whatever it was. I mean, there's just stuff happens. And that's the thing. Tennessee, I can't. Here, here was my thing today. I was talking to a buddy at work about this today. And he was like, dude, Tennessee is going to crush them. And he's not a Tennessee fan. That's why he was making this like an adamant point. He was like, dude, Tennessee is going to crush them. And the whole time I'm thinking, dude, Florida just like 
make yeah. makes things happen against yeah. us. Somehow it just – that's what I'm saying. I, I talked about turnovers at the start of the show. Tennessee could come out and throw three interceptions, fumble the ball once, and lose the turnover battle by three. And it's like, yeah, like if you do that versus Florida, you're not going to win. If you play – if you – here's the good thing, though. If Tennessee plays a, a good game, a clean game, a solid game to, you know, close to their ability or, or at it, like they should win this game. They are better than Florida as as it stands. So it's nice to go into the game better than a team. Like that, they have just they just have a better team. So it's going to take either a Herculean effort from the Gators, which I don't see happening in Neyland. Anthony Richardson in his press conference today was just like they asked him about the noise level or like how 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 that might affect him, and he literally said, "Well, you know, I play in front. The swamp's pretty crazy. Uh, I play, you know, I play in the swamp, so." Um, you know, it's going to be crazy at Neyland, but like, I'm ready for it. And it's like, dude, that's, you're just wrong. You're just flat out equating. Neyland is different. Yeah. You might understand what a big stadium does sound, but it's not against you. Having that with you is way different. Do you think Florida wins that game against Utah? If they're at Utah? No, probably not. I I think they lose by 10 points, maybe more. Like literally that game being in this, like, Having the crowd, like the Neyland crowd that's about to be there Saturday, which is about to be one of the rowdiest crowds we've seen probably in college football in the last few years, like they get up for the Gators and they're coming. And, and you know, you got a top 10, almost top 10 team um, that you're cheering for, which makes it even more lit. Like you're just in it. And you're and angry. 14,000 more fans going to be in Neyland too. Like that's going to. Yeah, like that's just an ignorant, ignorant statement to make from a quarterback to be like, oh, yeah, I play in a crazy environment, my home field. It's like dog. That's actually that's super similar to when Austin Appleby, the last Florida Gator quarterback to lose to the Vols in his press conference before the game, they asked him about it. And he was a transfer from Purdue. And I remember he talked about he's like, you know, I've played in crazy stadiums. And he mentioned Memorial Stadium, Nebraska is one of them. And I remembered, I was like, wait a second, let me pull up this dude's stat sheet from that game. And he threw like three picks for like 26 <laughs> yards. Like it was garbage. And I was like, yeah, dude, you've played there, but uh, it's not easy, apparently. Yeah, but you played there, but you didn't perform there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but just because you've I seen do, something doesn't mean, yeah. Yeah. One, one thing I do want to mention, though, that I, I meant to say earlier when I was talking about Florida kind of having our number, but also, let's not forget to all the Tennessee fans chalking this up or going in super confident you did not look very good against a pittsburgh team with their backup quarterback hobbling around on one leg so and he couldn't throw either so i'm just saying anthony richardson is probably going to cause a few more problems than that guy and i'm not saying you can't stop him i'm not saying you can't shut him down honestly but there is cause for concern there's no reason to be going in overly confident to a florida green 100%. 100%. Yeah, and I mean, just like we've been talking about, especially when we get into SEC play, uh, I think teams like Missouri and Vanderbilt, I mean, we can kind of chalk those up as, as wins. But any team like Kentucky or Florida, South Carolina most of the time, none of those games are just gimmies. So I don't think any real college football fan is not going to go into this game thinking, oh, well, I'm not worried at all. There's no possible way we could lose this. Um, yeah, and uh, – if Keaton Slovis plays that whole pit game, we probably lose, honestly. Uh, I mean, there's a good chance we lose that game. So we cannot be going in cocky. We're, we're a little banged up as well. Cedric Tillman, his um, 
he's kind of questionable for this game as well. And he's mm-hmm. one of those guys that all he needs to do is contribute three or four plays and he puts on 14 points for you right there. So having that explosiveness that he brings and not having that uh, can literally drop your point total by two touchdowns. So that's something that we, the, we as Vols fans can't forget either. Did you all see uh, game day reached out to Dolly? Did they really? Yeah, she's too busy though, <laughs> which is so like so high level like fame like not. I mean, I guess not really. Like I'm sure there's plenty of people that have to like turn down game day every now and then. But Dolly, come on! Can you imagine Knoxville, Tennessee? Awesome. If Dolly Parton was up there. I mean, it would be rocking. She is the queen of Tennessee. You can't find one Tennessean that does not love Dolly Parton. You know, people would be showing out loud and proud for Dolly. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be an epic pick. I, I would just love to see her out there just cheering on the Vols. She's the true. She's – I mean, she's Mount Rushmore, Tennessean for sure. She's a legend. She's it's true. like her, Bill Dance, Peyton. I guess – I don't know if you count Peyton. Like, are we talking homegrown? Yeah, I'm thinking more homegrown. I think we're talking homegrown. Miley Cyrus, Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, <laughs> Both of them. The Cyruses in general. Oh, yeah, um, Miley. She's not quite Mount Rushmore. I mean, do you put the presidents on there? James like, K. Polk, Andrew Jackson. Like Polk. Yeah. And then Andrew Ooh, Johnson. I put Andrew Jackson, Old Hickory. I think you got to put Old Hickory on there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but he, he did the Trail of Tears, so that yeah. was a – It was a different yeah. time. I mean, it was his different era. Time. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying – yeah, but now we're in our era, so we can look back and be like, oh, man, that's a pretty rough look for a Tennessean. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm also saying, you know, we have the choice to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that might have been, you know, the time, not sign of the times, but we're not going to really I mean, uh, maybe celebrate. Should I don't only think of Trail of Tears when I think of Andrew Jackson, though. He's a great yeah. Tennessean. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have done it the way he did, but I'm glad we have the land we do. I mean, <laughs> We're getting too far into this. <laughs> Yeah, we're but anyway, some civil rights activists coming what after are, us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What are, what are we even talking about? I just want to know about I was anti trail of tears. I wonder who. I, just I wonder want who that the, stated. <laughs> I wonder who the game day speaker will be. Um, some people are talking about uh, we need to get Tony uh, Tony Vitello to be a game day speaker. Oh, that'd be you, sweet. I'd like that. You could. I mean, Tennessee would like it. It yeah, depends on how famous you. He'd be a go, good guest. Like, like he would do a good job too. That's what that which would. I mean, be there's a lot. I feel like there's a lot of big name Vols fans out there. You think Peyton would come back? Has he ever done it? I'm sure he has. I think he has. Yeah, we always lose cool. though when he's in attendance. Yeah, he cares. He's still Peyton. It's awesome. Um, really he'd do like Morgan fun. Wallen, but I think he's. I was gonna say more. they were gonna. I, I bet they'd do someone like that. Do like Kenny Chesney and piss everyone off. Dude, if they do Kenny Chesney, I will be pissed off. He's yeah, not, I'm, that's I'm, I'm kind of not a Kenny Chesney fan. Wait, someone said someone. Uh, I don't know if this was true at all. I saw it on Twitter and it like flashed before my eyes. So I didn't get a good look at it. So don't quote me, but I saw Steve Spurrier pop up, which kind of makes sense. Cause it's like Johnson city, but Florida coach. That'd be awful. I mean, I would hate it. Didn't yeah. Didn't he go to science Hill? I don't know. It's from I feel Johnson like he did. City. Yeah. That's it. That is Johnson city. And he hates the Vols. He hates the yeah. Vols. Yeah. That'd he, be always, a he always picks the Vols to lose. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know. I'm trying to Bro, think. Bro, get Miley. You get Miley. Get Miley Cyrus. That'd be sick. Yeah, 
Yeah, Katy Perry. Pretty cool, honestly. I mean, what about? I heard one of my friends was suggesting. So these were the four. We've already named three that there was this poll that was sent in a group chat that I'm in with Dolly Parton, Morgan Wall, and Tony Vitello. But someone also threw out the idea of Candace Parker. Yeah, That'd you could cool. do Candace, or you, yeah. could do, you could honestly probably do Grant Williams. Yeah, I'd honestly prefer Candace. She's a true icon. Oh, yeah. She's a legend. Yeah, she's, she's women's, women's basketball royalty at this yeah. point. I'm thinking, yeah. uh, see, you mentioned Vitello, and I, I would like that. I mean, I'm thinking I'd like Must to be the guest picker when they come to Arkansas, Alabama. I'm, I'm forecasting that. I, they haven't said that, but. Someone mentioned him doing as like an Arkansas game day picker. And I was like, yeah, that would make sense. He's kind of like a content legend. Like him going on game day would be sick. Um, plus he's, but, you know, Arkansas fans would love it. But, you know, is that as much of a national draw? I don't know. But Vitello cool. See, that's why I think it could work because Vitello would be awesome. Um, he'd be a good, a good actual, like he'd probably do some, he'd probably do a pretty good job, like have some in-depth thinking going into it um, oh he'd do his research i think yeah yeah if i was really ever on game day picking like i don't know why i ever would be but i'd make <laughs> sure to have some really good talking points not go in it like jack harlow and just be like yeah cincinnati that's so dumb yeah that was really dumb and it was extra dumb because cincinnati didn't even come close <laughs> you're gonna pick speaking of for- seth your hogs have a big game coming up and uh they do yeah, I was I was just as shocked by the line as you were, but uh, yeah, let's talk about let's get into Hogs Aggies. Hogs Aggies always a fun one. Um, they only got a few more years in the Metroplex, so down in Dallas, um, it is a really fun game when they meet in Jerry's World. Um, just a lot of students from both schools get to come. It's Matt, I mean that stadium is awesome, um, but at the same time, it does hurt. Like every other year, that counts as a home game for us, so we only have several like three SEC home games on campus, which kind of hurts. But when it's the opposite year. When you have four home games and a neutral site game, it's pretty nice. So it's kind of um, different, different to different. AM is a slight favorite. At first, I saw something that came out. They were like a touchdown favorite, and I went almost berserk just because, like, their offense only scored a touchdown against Appalachian State. So how are you going to say they're a touchdown favorite versus Arkansas, who's averaging, like, 35 points a game against, like, pretty good teams? Not like we've been truly playing three cupcakes. Um, you know, we have an SEC win already, which they don't. And I would say – I would. I would put our Miami and Cincinnati wins in a pretty similar category of like home wins over pretty good ranked teams. I don't think Miami is anything that special. I know they were ranked number 13, but like, I don't really see them. They're as not the going to finish best. the season. Yeah. Right they're not going to, they're not the 13th best team in the country. Um, I think A&M's offense is pretty poor. I just, that's what it comes down to for me is that our biggest weakness is our secondary by, by bar none. We lead the nation in sacks. This stat's almost impossible to do. We lead the nation in sacks by two. Like, we've just been crushing it, rushing the passer. But we have the worst secondary in, like, the nation in terms of yards per game allowed. Now That's usually not Oh, it's bad. No, it's three games in, so, you know, some numbers get skewed. Like, Spencer Rattler had, in in pure desperation mode, had, like, 200 passing yards in the fourth quarter against us in a game we already had one, you know, like garbage stats kind of like that do hurt you in like a true statistical category. Um, but still just, that's our biggest weakness, but it happens to coincide with Texas A&M's biggest weakness, which is throwing the ball. Um, they won last week, but they got outgained in yards. They got outgained in first downs. They had, a they lost the time of possession. Like 
yeah, they won and they scored 17 whole points. Like I'm not, I'm not really just over overwhelmed at a team scoring 17 points against Miami. Now their offense did or their defense did pretty good. Miami had more scoring opportunities than Texas A&M and they walked away with nine points. So like, I'm just saying, I think it's a little bit of fool's gold that they came back and won that game. I think they put a lot of effort into coming back to win that game after such an embarrassing loss to App State. But I just don't think they're that good. Um, I think, you know, like we said, anything can happen. Um, I, I would just expect Ar- – I, I truly expect I, – I, I see the world through Razorback tinted glasses. I understand that. But I, objectively, I've watched Arkansas be so bad that I can recognize when our offensive line is dominant. Rocket Sanders leads the SEC in rushing. K, uh, KJ Jefferson has been uber efficient and has looked fantastic. Um, he has one interception all year, and that was – even that pass was a perfect – like a perfectly placed ball in the guy's bread basket that he just dropped and he tipped up in the air. So he's super efficient. We lost a turnover battle by three the other day, which two fumbles and an interception like that. And that's just, and yeah, it, it was not good in that game, but it's not like a major concern for me. That's not how we play that. Like we put, we typically play very clean, very solid football. Um, I just think our offense is going to outpace theirs. Their defense is very good but I think we will score enough where we're going to really challenge them to have to score 25 plus points. And I just don't see them doing it. I really don't. They've got, so they racked up 500 yards. They have 497 yards of off. I did some deep statistical dive today on the Aggies and the Hawks. They had their offense had 497 yards of offense in week one against Sam Houston state. Um, So, you know, decent performance there, but also Sam, in the next two games against uh, Appalachian State and Miami, not like exactly defensive juggernauts, you know, may end up having de- – Appalachian State gave up about 600 yards and 60 points to North Carolina the week before. I've mentioned it. They didn't automatically just get to be Alabama 2010. Like, they've had 444 combined yards. They've scored 24 offensive points in two games versus decent, like, versus higher-level opponents. And that's not even, like, you know, elite opponents. That's just pretty good opponents. Um, I just don't I just don't see them scoring enough um, to really out outrace the hog. I, it may be fairly low scoring, but I just like our offense more. We got more playmakers. We got a much – so many games, especially when your talent level is comparable, come down to quarterback play, and our quarterback is just crazy more – a better game changer than their quarterback. He's a better playmaker. He's more consistent. He's more dynamic. Like when your quarterback void is that big, I think people are way underestimating how much that can, and we, they can't rush the ball and we're leading the SEC and rushing. Like we're going to, we should control this game. Like this actually should be one of our, I just don't really see, I just haven't seen anything from AM to really put fear in me. Um, now we've lost nine out of the last 10 to AM. It's very honestly kind of mirrors the Florida, like, and they've been heartbreaker, heartbreaking losses, like last minute losses. Uh, most of them. Now, some of them they beat us a little bit, but just a lot of opportunities to win for us. And just for whatever reason, they just find a way. But I think we kind of broke it last year when we dominate. I mean, we dominated Texan in last year. Um, and I think we've gotten better, and I don't see them as gotten better, getting better. So um, Max Johnson seems to have done a little better, but he went 10 of 20 for 140 yards. And that's your better option against the Miami team. Who's not necessarily known as the 85 bears. Like 
that's your best option at quarterback is that that's what you got. So I don't know. I think, I think we'll rattle them pretty good. I think we'll handle them. They have had trouble. They've had some trouble stopping the run. Uh, and I think all the thing, all of our strengths play into their weaknesses a little bit and their, their biggest weakness is also attack is only our biggest weakness too. passing the ball. Um, like vertically downfield is kind of a big weakness for them. And that would be what I would really consider our only real weakness as a team is that secondary. Um, and that's a problem if it, but we're also getting one of our better players back uh, on defense. Miles Slusher's coming back. So I got the hogs winning by winning by double digits. Um, I don't think, I really don't think that's crazy to say. I, I truly would have expected Arkansas to be about a five point favorite if I had really been handicapping um, just because, Arkansas, they've just put up a lot more points. We've just scored a lot more points, <laughs> I think. And at the end of the day, like, that's what you got to have more points to win the game. I think our offense versus their defense is a bigger miss, or maybe it's not a mismatch, but I think we have enough advantages in that department than they do on offense versus our defense. Even in the areas we struggle, I think we'll control that we, we've done great against the run. Um, and we've sacked the quarterback enough to at least put pressure on him. And I don't see becoming this in crazy playmaker um, who can, who can hurt us. So Jimbo's offense is stagnant. It's ancient. It's, it's void of like tremendous life. Um, you lose at home to Appalachian state. You get embarrassed as a national top 10 program. You get dominated by Appalachian state, not just embarrassed. You get dominated by Appalachian state. And then you come back and all you can muster is a 17 to nine victory over Miami. Like, I think they really put a ton of effort into that rebound. And then it's kind of like, Oh, we're back. You're not back. You beat Miami. Who's most likely going to go like eight and four in the ACC by eight points. You scored 17 whole points. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in fear at in home at Kyle field. It's, it's week three for Miami too. Like they have, they played Bethune, Bethune, Bethune Cookman week one. Yeah. True. All right. The Hogs got this one. I'm excited. What time is that game? Night, night game. So it'll be nice. balls. Yeah. That'll be a good one. Night game in Jersey. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I, I think uh, I'm excited for it. Um, obviously, you can never, like y'all were talking about, you can never write up at any SEC game, honestly, as a dub. Like you can never, you can never write off any opponent. Uh, and especially opponent that's a favorite in the game. I just think that's, I just think that line's objectively wrong um, based on my brain and my eyeballs. Like I literally have just watched Texas A&M be bad and I've watched Arkansas be really good on offense and they can be even better and more efficient, um, which is, and they just control the ball in the fourth quarters of all these games. They're just dominating. They're dominating the line of scrimmage when it matters, when they got to have it. Like, even though in this last game, I mean, it was gut check time. Down 10 with 12 minutes to go. However you got there, who cares? Put Take away the other team. Like, you're down 10 with 12 to go. You're at the point of no return. Like, if you don't turn it on now, if you don't make a comeback now, it's like you can kiss that game goodbye. And they come out, and they end up winning by double. They, you score the last 21 points of the game. You hold them on the last three drives. They don't score. Like, you know, you turn it on when you had to turn it on. Um, and obviously you can't come out that flat. Like you can't go down 17 0 to Texas in this week. Yeah, you'll be in trouble. Their defense is good. Um, I just think in the end, we overcome. We overcome. And then it then it'll be Bama week on campus. 
Um, and that one will be biggest crowd in Razorback history. It'll be nutty. It'll be uh, it'll be a wild atmosphere. That well, that sounds nutty. I will say, nutty. I'm excited to watch that game. I think it's gonna be, be a good one. It's good that I mean, regardless, I mean, look at us both. We're just we're we're talking about the Hogs and Vols, and we're talking about two of the biggest games truly in the national slate. Yeah, no, I mean that's actually that's what I was looking Those at the, the schedule. Biggest. I'm looking at the schedule right now, and it's like there's nothing really. I mean, there's a couple solid games like Clemson, Wake Forest could be interesting. Yeah, Clemson, Wake Forest, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Honestly, look out for Northern Illinois against Kentucky. I know they uh, uh, Northern Illinois has back-to-back SEC games because they just played Vandy last week and actually lost. So yeah, now they're yeah. Vandy has two what three Three. wins. They beat the they beat the over already. Let's go. I think we. We said that back in. Yeah, the day. we said over two and a half, right? Did yeah. we? I think I said no. I didn't think they were going to do. I thought they were going to be right at two. I don't know. I'm going to say I said it because no one's going to go back and check. It yeah, I'm it. not going to check. I definitely it, predicted I'm that. I'm pretty sure. Andy and their their prize for uh, hitting the over, they do get to go down to Tuscaloosa this week. So oh, we'll nice. <laughs> Just a um, record. But they do have that that true fresh. They put in that true freshman quarterback Swan or whatever, and he can he was dicing it up. Yeah, Mike White got so hot and then got benched in like week yeah. three. It yeah. was tough to see. I know everyone who I knew that's a Vandy fan was so pumped for Mike Wright, and now it's might might already be over. Honestly, yeah. yeah. We'll uh, we've talked a little bit about next week. Let's look a look back just a little bit. Yeah. How was uh, uh, a trip to Huskerland game? That's what yeah, I want to trip- hear about too. Dude, trip to Huskerland was great. As how were the always. vibes pregame, and then like how that turn? Kind of. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, here let me just there. There's a lot going on. So yeah. like, go for it. I I don't know if y'all saw it, but there are a lot of rumors coming out about Frost. Uh, pretty recently, just I guess now that he's gone, the floodgates kind of opened, and I didn't yep. give it much thought because at first I was like, okay, where was this when you know he was coaching? Like, if you wanted him fired, this would have been the way to do it. But I guess it was kind of a you know the the athletic department needs to keep it under wraps. Uh. If if a writer says something like that, you risk losing your job, all this stuff, covering the team. Because all of the people I heard it from pretty much confirmed everything that was coming out. The fact that showing up late to meetings, showing up late to practice, uh, the dude was a total drunk, like partying with co-eds, banging cart girls. <laughs> so nice. the, whole golf, the whole golf thing was, I guess, pretty true. Apparently, he missed his press conference in Ireland. Because he was literally playing golf, uh, which honestly respect. I mean, you're in Ireland, you got to play a little golf. But I mean, then I I don't know where it, like what happened. I don't know if the pressure got to him and he just started letting loose, and then that just became his his thing, or if he got he just got complacent because he got his dream job and he thought he was all good to go. But it makes me sad, you know. It's disappointing to hear that i mean obviously i can't confirm that for fact but it did seem like everyone i was talking to pretty much said that was the case so that sucked to hear uh going along with that we were walking around the facilities i guess friday and right as we were walking around mickey joseph and the boys were hopping on the bus so saw coach right as i was walking by uh went in walked around the facilities a little bit they're built they're building they've got like a $150 $150 million facility construction going on right now. So there's not a whole lot to where you can go right now. But anyway, um, no, dude, I love Mickey Joseph, though. 
that was one thing I got out of this. The way he's been in press conferences and the way he's overhauling the program and saying, look, we're going to recruit, like we're going to be here forever. Like we're not going to sabotage this program. We're going to do it the right way. You pick the right guy for the interim job, at least. Um, is he going to be, is he going to last? I don't know. I, if I was betting on it, I'd say probably not. But I think he's got, you know, he's kind of playing with house money. He's got the support of Husker Nation behind him because there's no real pressure. The season's kind of already done. So whatever you do from now on, you're not even really going to get the blame for. But I don't think he looks at it like that either. The guy's, I mean, the guy's awesome. One of the best recruiters in the nation. Speaks very, speak, a very good speaker just in general. Answers questions, like doesn't mess around with all the outside noise. Uh, but yeah, love, love Mickey. So game day. Early kickoff, you know, big noon kickoff. I was pretty optimistic. I mean, a lot of people were just thinking, hey, maybe we play loose. No one really had super high hopes. But, you know, at a certain point, after I cracked my first bush light at 8 a.m., after a couple hours of tailgating, I was like, hey, we're going to win this game. We go in, stop them on their first drive, get it back, score right away. I mean, just chop them up. We're up 7 nothing, and I was feeling awesome. And then that was about it. It was pretty bad from then on. Honestly, Props to Oklahoma and Brent Venables because they could have scored 70 on us if they wanted to. Uh, the the tackling is atrocious. I don't know. And that's what Joseph said. Mickey Joseph said he was going to work on that a lot, just getting guys back to the fundamentals. And it's a good thing we got a bye week coming up this week. So hopefully they can work on a Yeah, hopefully they can work on a bunch of fundamentals this week and then kind of work on getting ready for Indiana next week. And, I mean, that's a good – You've got a couple winnable games coming up. I mean, you play Indiana and Rutgers, and I know things look bad, but there's no reason you can't beat both of those teams, honestly. You got to – I mean, at the end of the day, let's go out there and win a few games. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have winnable ones, so go out and win. Like, it's not not that hard. You got enough players to do it. (laughs) It's like he he really – I mean, I really hope he can pull off a couple because, I mean – I mean, it, you could legitimately have a one-win season right here. I mean, that's what it's turned into. If things are really that bad and you don't win these, at least one of these coming up, and then you don't steal one down the road, it would be a historically bad season. Not that the last couple of years haven't been, but you know what I mean? Like a, a one in the wing com is pretty – I mean, that's not something that's I've experienced tremendous. in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, I um, went back-to-back twos, and you do not want to go there, man. You do no. not, not want to take it there. Yeah, so – I mean, I'm optimistic. Uh, it, I do have a different kind of outlook on the season. There were we got a couple decommitments already, but we also had a lot of guys basically recommit or basically say that they're sticking with Nebraska no matter what, no matter who's the coach. So coach, coaching search is still on. Oh, I do have to mention Urban Meyer and Trev Alberts. Urban, did, Urban, Urban Meyer Urban. and Trev Alberts did have a meeting Friday night, and here's why I say that. I heard that from Steve Sipple. Uh, on a message board on a Husker website. And he is a, he's a writer, like been writing for the Huskers forever. He's an inside source. He, he would know that information. Pete Thamel comes out, who must just have it in for the Huskers. He does not like the Huskers for some reason. And I've never seen someone do this. He reports, he comes out and says, there was no meeting between Urban Meyer and Trev Alberts. Like, that's not true. 
and me and me and Wes, my brother kind of looked at each other and we're like, what, what does that even mean? Like, how can you say something didn't happen? And you know that, like, who did you, you're obviously just covering up that it did happen. Yeah. If it didn't happen, you wouldn't have to say anything about it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, Adam Carricker, who does some stuff for the Omaha world Herald and Husker legend playing the NFL for a long time. He has his own short little show and he came out and responded to that and said, no, I know that urban Meyer and Trev met. I don't like, and and that there is mutual interest between the two parties. So I don't know if that means anything come of it. But he said no. That that happened. I received a text from an inside source. Who knows that they met and there was mutual interest. So I'll tell you what. I would be all in on Urban. A lot of people relate it to selling your soul to the devil. But you know what? I'm at the point. I wouldn't hate winning uh, nine or ten games in a couple years. So and I think he could do that at a place like Nebraska. So. Not saying he's my number one choice by any means, but I would not hate it. That would be my number one choice. I mean, the dude has won a either gone undefeated or won a national championship at every school he's been to. Yeah, so. but a little different. Let's be on. Let's be real for a second. Nebraska is not Ohio State when he what, took it. Florida, like, Utah. I know. Yeah, but Nebraska is not like. Urban, probably Urban's not in program there. building mode. That's what I'm trying to trying to say. I don't think Urban's going to sit through two years of being bad. Like I think he'll. I don't know. I wouldn't want Urban, dude. I Urban's would be last, everything that came out of Jacksonville was terrible. Oh yeah, I know. But yeah, I pros. think he's just not a guy for the pros, though. I know, but I'm just saying. I think he's just lost. Like no, yeah, there's baggage, but I would I would totally be shocked. If in year two, like year one could look like anything. I may have said this last week, but year one, I don't know what it would look like. Year two, I would be very surprised if he didn't pull off eight wins. Yeah, he'd have eight or nine wins year two for sure. Because I feel like it's been coaching blunders and like just shooting yourselves in the foot this entire time. Like if you have a good in-game management coach who knows how to put guys in a position to win, Nebraska has the talent to win, especially in the Big 12, like – I mean, I just think. Well, that's the thing. You're in the West, in the Big Ten West, where it is wide open. Like, it's open right now. Like, if you you got together a team that was pretty solid next year, you could win seven games. Like, you could. There's just not a lot of good teams in the Big Ten West. Even Wisconsin just lost to to Washington State, who was probably, you know, Wisconsin was probably thought of as the best team in the West. And now, obviously, they're not. Iowa can't score a touchdown to save their lives. You got Minnesota, who's, I mean, played cupcakes, but they're kind of a perennial eight-win team. Maybe they they really exceed expectations and win 10 games one year. But, after, yeah. I mean, it's wide open. Yeah. I think I would equate it a little bit. It's, that's why it's probably even more frustrating a little bit is because you take a guy like Frost, and if, if he does kind of what you think he should do coming into Nebraska, like the Big Ten West has been very – takeable winnable the last several years like I, I kind of equate it back to when tennessee had some really good chances to win the east Florida when it was, was bad. down Florida was bad when it was bad. down and they never quite did it and yeah they, they have a good, another good team now but i mean georgia's now just and i don't think there's a georgia waiting in the wings of the big 10 west to just probably sit there and i mean georgia's got kind of a lock on the east for a while kind of like bama has had for the last while like yeah, some teams might win it every now and then, but more than likely, 
they're going to be up there every single year. So the Big Ten West doesn't have that. So no. it would just be nice to, yeah, win a few of those. Like Nebraska should be winning the Big Ten West one out of three years. I'd say that's pretty. With Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin, like, yeah, it's so winnable. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't see Urban as the guy and it's not me. So I, I can't like put myself truly in your shoes and be like, yeah, I want Urban. I don't want Urban. But I'm also happy with my coaching situation at the moment. So I kind of I do also get the allure. I get the allure of Urban. I think he's past his. I think he's he kind of peaked and he's like on the downhill slope. Like I just don't think. I think he's kind of lost it as a leader. I don't think people view him as serious. And like I think he had kind of an, a certain aura about him as like a winner, as a good leader, that kind of stuff. I feel like that's kind of washed away. Like I, I don't view him as that anymore. I view him as a disgrace. I literally view him as a, as someone who no, no one only, no one gets fired after one year in the NFL. Like you have to have such disorganizational failure what was to it do thir- that. Was it 13 games? Like the off the field stuff was yeah. embarrassing. The on-field play was embarrassing. The team was never prepared. And yeah, it was pro versus college. I get it. But like, I mean, come on. It's just his last look as as a coach of anybody is just embarrassing. Like, yeah, but that's what he needs. He needs to redeem himself. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that'd be cool. I don't think it's gonna happen. Um I get that. I get that perspective. That's my perspective. That's my take. I mean, I just think like, yeah, the I think the off the field stuff was the worst part in Jacksonville, like on the field pro and college is so different. Like you just can't coach the same, like it's a totally yeah. different style. Like the whole, I, the story I heard from one of his old assistants, like someone asked him what, what makes urban like so great. And it's like, he just demands greatness, like yeah. out of everyone that he comes into contact with. And the thing with like, with trying to do that in the pros is it's like that only goes so far when you're dealing with grown men, as opposed to like, they're all pretty great too. It's like kind of managing them more than when it's just, it's not, you can't like, you almost can't push them as hard. Like they have to do them into being good. Like you can kids. Yeah. That's fair. Just needs to come and bully, bully everybody. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan of bullying. If it makes you win 10 games, sure. Bully (laughs) the hell out of my team. If it gets 10 wins. And that's what, so it's funny you mentioned that there was a lot of people mentioning, you know, the whole stuff with frost, uh, you know, just off the field stuff, like what the heck is going on. And obviously you didn't hear a lot about it, but even if you knew about it and the guy was winning games, like truthfully, if you heard Hypo was doing that and he comes off and like, I would be like, wow, more nothing. power to him. You can somehow like bang cart girls and like get drunk off your ass and win 10 games in the SEC. <laughs> You're a legend. Like, so what? It's funny that res- that uh, makes me think of kind of how all this stuff comes out after the fact. It makes me think of when Bielema got fired at uh, Arkansas. It was like yeah, very was similar stories at recruiting dinners, right? And yeah, getting- it just like very similar stories of him having maybe some, maybe probably honestly some deeper serious problems. Uh, but it was like none of this really came out before he got fired. But now that he's fired. It's like everyone was seeing it like happen, and everyone knew that it was bad. Like everyone, you know the rumors and stuff start to circulate after the fact, um, which, you know, yeah, that absolutely plays in to his unsuccess on the field. Like, yeah, if you could do it and have success, people would like throw it under the rug. Who cares? But it's hard to, you don't see Saban having those kind of stories. Yeah, come out. Like, Saban literally just goes home 
and you know studies more like he's yeah he's not out there partying and and like or anything honestly yeah a football coach especially in season what about grinding if you're really if you're really grinding you can't be like see but i doubt i doubt kiffin really does it like you think anymore i think that might have been part of his former coaching life i think he got I think he Dude, might have no, found Jack, the Lord Jack down there. Jack said he used money. to see him out like at the bars. That's maybe true. Kiffin's his own animal, though. Like that is yeah. part of Kiffin. Kiffin is I just a freak. A yeah, that's not like a problem for Kiffin. That's just who he is. Yeah, no, like, I agree with that. Yeah, I do. So, yeah, a lot of distractions, just a lot of off the field bad behavior that you don't want to see from your head football coach uh, at your at a institution like Nebraska. Yeah, no. um, and a my, shame. My first choice shame. is still uh, is still Dave Aranda. I think that would be awesome. I think he'd be a good fit. But yeah. um Urban's also like in your top three, right? Huh? Is Urban in your top three? I mean, not like that's the thing. Urban's not really like if we hire Urban, I won't be disappointed, but he's not like someone I'm shooting for. He's not on your like short list. I guess not. I mean, technically he probably is, but I mean, I would rather hire Urban than like Matt Campbell. Like if they hire Matt Campbell, I would be very disappointed. I feel like that was like I'd like that. Wow, Iowa, State's been, Iowa State's been pretty good. If you win at Iowa State, dude. No, no, that's what they said about Mike <laughs> Riley, dude. That's literally the exact same thing. Mike Riley, that was bad. That's hire. like when that's what Matt they Campbell's ex- won. Matt Campbell has won nine games one time at Iowa State. That's the best he's ever done. He won nine games. Yeah, that's kind of true. All right, that's a fair point. Yeah. Fair point. If he point was taken. winning, no, yeah, but in my thing is if he was winning and he won some big games, I'll give him that. But I mean, he had you had Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. Like you had a, kind of a chance to really make your run. The Big Twelve is not that great, you know. They almost won it though. They did almost win it. They, did they go to but the Big Championship? I guess. Uh, I actually think they lost the week before. Okay. They were close, Whatever. but I don't think they actually went. Um, I just don't like. He's had some like Butch Jones isms when I've heard him in press conferences, and that is that's what turned me off. I didn't think much fair. of it before, but that turned me off. It's a fair turn off. I'll be honest. That is not what you want to hear out of a head coach. Yeah. Anyone like, dude, that PJ Fleck, that gets so old so fast. Like, yeah, year one and year two, it might pump, it might get people going and you, you know, you show improvement. But the minute it starts to falter, it's just, it's just painful. It's just painful. Yeah. That's what we're feeling with Shane Beamer right now. Like, yeah, it's good. Dude, it's all yeah. good and dandy when you're on the up. But like, once start once things start going south, it's just it's tough to watch. It's brutal. Drinkwitz Dude. is kind of the same way. It's like, oh, we come in with some fancy sayings and some cute little little stuff and things. Yeah, you get better from year one to year two because year the year before you they were terrible. That's why you that's why they fired their coach for you to come in there. Of course, you're gonna show improvement. Like and then you just kind of go downhill and it's all over. I think uh I think Harson's on his way out. Auburn just got picked apart by Penn State, who's let's let's be honest, Penn State is probably pretty good, but also probably like the fourth or fifth, if not like best team they're gonna play. Like I put Alabama, Georgia definitely above them. I probably mm-hmm. put I mean Arkansas just absolutely steamrolled them last year in the bowl game. A very different situation, I understand. No, I'd agree. Still, I'd say Arkansas is better though. I'd and then you know, you still gotta play A and M and LSU and LSU looked really good against Mississippi State. I was very, I was pretty surprised by that. I've been pretty high on Mississippi State, um, and they just came out and could not really score, and uh, they gave up a lot of points to an LSU team that looked really 
pretty bad on offense um, the first couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know who else they play, but um, they obviously got to play Ole Miss, who looked good against Georgia Tech, um, rushed the ball like 60-something times. I don't think that's going to win consistently in the SEC. I don't think you're just going to be able to gash opponents like that every week, but still impressive nonetheless. Um, yeah, just Auburn's – I mean, I – I've been saying it for a very, very long time that Auburn was yeah. in for a, a bad year. You just – the signs are all there. They were all there. Um, so, I think Harson will be on his way out. I mean, you know, maybe maybe he takes a flyer for Nebraska and just becomes a Nebraska guy. It's closer to Idaho. I was just so convinced. Brian Harson had spent like 85% of his professional life in Idaho and – that just does not prepare you to win in the SEC West. I don't really care. Like, you're just not ready. Yeah. And he showed it. Like he's he's not been ready. His team's not ready. His quarterback stinks. Not good. Not good yeah. at all. Dude, I'm waiting. You you touched on kind of Beamer there a minute ago. I'm oh. waiting for Shane Beamer to he's gonna have a meltdown. It's like a true meltdown or implosion at some point. Like I know the whole the whole thing at him yelling at the girls to get off the field. That was one thing. But dude, even in, I keep seeing clips of him in press conferences, just he like not even out, like <laughs> just acting immature. Like, it's like, dude, this is your job. You know, like you can get mad, but he is like, it's not even, he's not even just mad. It's like, he throws a fit kind of like a little kid. It's crazy. Yeah. he. I think Tennessee might break him this year. That'd be awesome. If Tennessee dropped like 60 on him and he just back to back season, 60 burgers. That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. I really. How want can to you that. call yourself a serious program if you don't fire a coach that gave up back to back sixty burgers against like not even a national championship team? I mean, I'm not I, like I a really to say the balls could be the balls could be there this year, but like last year they were. I mean, de- decent, but like nothing that special. Yeah, seven um, and six. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, if you're doing that to seven and six conference teams, like you're not the long term answer. I don't. I don't care. You're just not. Dude, it was funny too because I thought I kind of liked Beamer at first, and I then that that changed real quick, man. That's what I said, man. <laughs> at first, it's like, oh yeah, this guy's fired up. He's excited. He's got a lot of energy. He's funny, and then it just it's just constant. It just wears on you. Just wears you down, and yeah. then you start losing, and then you're immature, and just a bunch of stuff that just it all goes together. It's like nothing. One thing he does is like super annoying or awful or like in, on its own right. But, like, you combine the way he loses a bunch of games. Like, they won a few games. They haven't beat anybody significant since he's been there. They literally have not won one game of significance while he's been there. Yeah. Um, and so he loses a lot. And to be fair, that's a pretty tough stretch to open the year with games against at Arkansas and then Georgia at home. Is And your first three weeks is, like, not ideal. I not will say that. But uh, anyway, yeah, he, it just wears on you. Wears thin. When Butch Jones started to go downhill, it went downhill fast because it was like it just wore out. Like his act, his little stick was just gone. Was just champions gone. alive stick. Yeah, that needed to five star hearts. Five star hearts. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> I mean, he was just a bad dude. Butch Jones is just the biggest like nerd. Like just dude, I loved the uh they were did, did the little saving school segment on game day, and it was so funny because it was. It was Butch, it was Bill O'Brien, Kiffin, and maybe someone else. But it was so funny Sark, because – Sark, Yeah, Sark. Yeah, yeah, Sark. And they were interviewing all the guys, you know, at their new jobs and stuff. And in the narration, it's like, 
it was like uh, Sarkeesian, Kiffin, and O'Brien all eventually got promoted to, and Loxley all eventually were promoted to offensive coordinator. Butch Jones was special assistant to the head coach. And I was just like, he was literally a freaking gopher. Like the dude wasn't even like, he's, he's getting interviewed with this, but he is just so not in the class with the rest of these guys, you know, like Saban would not definitely did not trust him to call plays. I just thought that was so funny. They interview like five guys and one of them is just clearly not Not like the others. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right, boys. Well, I think uh, we can close it out with that. Got a big weekend ahead. Looking forward to it. I mean, balls and hogs, man. Big games this weekend. I'm big pumped. games. We're going to be talking well, about. Both will be in the top 10 after these wins. I was just going to say, we're going to be talking about some serious. I mean, we're right there. Like, we're 4 0, four weeks in with some big wins already under our belts. Like, come on. Just think Let's of the balls. What is it going to be? Uh, 5 and 0 going into Alabama. Yeah, and the hogs will be. If if Arkansas wins this weekend, yeah, four and zero going into Bama at home. Bama drops two in a row, maybe turn it up. Out. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They did. They haven't looked very good on the road in recent years. That'd be nuts. They're gettable, man. They're gettable. Yeah, they'll also probably Bryce Young will throw eight touchdowns against Arkansas and beat us. But hey, we'll see. They're gettable. I'll, I won't believe that when I walk in the stadium. And this is my charge for anybody still listening to this. If anybody's going to the games, if you're going to the Razorback game next weekend, if you're going to the Tennessee game next weekend, do not walk in that stadium unless you believe the Vols or the Hogs are going to win. Do not step your foot in Needland Stadium this weekend if you do not believe with your full heart that Tennessee is going to win this game. There is, there is no doubt. Yes, losing is part of the game. One team will, will walk home a loser. That You have to accept that fact. But you do not walk in if you do not believe the Vols are winning. If 100,000 people believe that and just give it their all, give their all for Tennessee, the Gators stand no chance. I will give my all for Tennessee today. I can guarantee you that. That's all we can ask. If, yeah. we, all give, if we all give our all, <laughs> there's no stopping us. We're going to be cooking up some Gators, boys, roasting them. Yes, sir. Heck yeah. All the way to the top 10. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for listening. This has been Patriot Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to be sure to check them out at sixpackcoverage.com or on social media at sixpack coverage. Check us out on Twitter at Patriot underscore sports, on Instagram at Patriot Sports, and check out the website, PatriotSports.blog. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we will see y'all next week. Patriot out.